the uh, increased interest in sustainable transportation, including electric vehicles, has pushed infrastructure developers and charging station manufacturers to keep innovating and improving the technology. As of 2021, EV charging is one of the fastest growing industries worldwide. The government's efforts to promote purchasing and using electric vehicles generates increasing demand for charging stations, making the EV charging market grow very fast. The EV charging station market was evaluated at 4.3 billion euros in 2020, and it is expected to grow five to seven times in the next five years. This pushes industry players to think of more and more advanced developments. Considering such a significant rise in EV's popularity and the growing market of the charging industry brings the question, what awaits us in the electric charging sector uh, in the coming days, months and years? Uh, my name is Jan Hauser. I work as business creation manager at EIT Urban Mobility Innovation Hub East and our fifth podcast episode uh, is about exploring this topic together with Jana Schamal, CEO of Nimble Energy, and with Aleksandr Reich, Director of External Affairs at Polish Association of Alternative Fuels. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the state of the art, so where we are now. Uh, with your experience and expertise, There's uh, no better experts to answer my questions. Uh, so let's dive into the topic of electric charging and hear about the current realities of the market. So first of all, to introduce the topic to our listeners more broadly, I wanted to ask each of you, what are the current trends that you see in electric charging and what are the main challenges that electric charging providers and users are facing So first of all, I would give the word to, to Jan Schamel. Thank you. So <clears throat> first of all, what uh, I would like to stress that uh, the situation varies a lot country from country across, uh, across the Europe. Uh, and the second point that I would evaluate further is uh, that there is a big difference between what we can do and uh, what is actually the user experience uh, in terms of charging. So what I see as a major trend, uh, there are large investments that, is, uh, that are undergoing in terms of uh, increasing the capacity for the long-haul travels in terms of the networks, the similars of Ionity, where we see the large investments of the major players that is uh, helping Uh, actually the cut, uh, the range anxiety for the long trip distances. And that I think it's developing pretty well. Uh, there are promises to be further uh, further increase in terms of density. So I'm not too much worried about this category. Where I see an issue is uh, actually in the city and uh, in urban areas, where this is a completely different story, uh, both in terms of feasibility, which means what uh, can be done, Uh, where we are facing many of the limits, starting with uh, the grid as such and what it can provide to, to the charging and uh, to the charging poles and how it actually looks like in the city, in the old continent, like the Warsaw, like uh, the city of Prague or any other. So I mean that here uh, it's many different aspects that come into the game 
uh, like uh, occupying the public realm and others uh, that are actually happening. That would be for where it's heading and what was actually my uh, main topic, what uh, I had as a, as a speech last week in Barcelona, and we have been on the panel with Alexander together. Uh, it's actually about the user experience where I personally feel that user experience is uh, something that has been somehow forgotten uh, <laughs> in terms of using the electric vehicle. So as of now, uh, using electric cars uh, is easy uh, when it comes to driving. Uh, a lot of fun. It's a great pleasure. Anybody who experiences it loves it. But once it uh, once it comes to the things that are around, mainly the charging, it's uh, it's a nightmare. And uh, hopefully, you'll be able to get back to it uh, a bit later. Thank you for that, um, Alexandra. So, what uh, trends and challenges would would you mention? Well, I mean. Uh, I mean, I agree with uh, absolutely what what Jan said just just uh, now. But I would add that uh, it depends on uh, the point, the vantage point where you're looking from. I mean, from uh, the perspective of the CE, the Central Eastern European market, and the Western and Northern European market, it's a whole different perspective. It's a whole different outlook. And uh, these kind of regional differences are present, I think, everywhere. I mean, even in markets like the United States, uh, an enormous market, a very advanced market. If you compare uh, charging infrastructure levels in California and charging infrastructure levels in, I don't know, um, Michigan, for example, there's 20 times as much charging stations in California as in such a state as Michigan or Illinois, for example. So you have these huge differences and the challenges vary. And for Europe, these challenges vary even more, I think. Uh, for example, in the sea region, we have problems with uh, the time for grid connections uh, in terms of public charging infrastructure. Because this is another difference, you need to differentiate between private and public infrastructure. And the differences there are also huge. And uh, for, for the CE market, as I said, grid connection time, the amount of formalities that delay grid connection. For example, in Poland, to install a public charger, you need to wait approximately 18 months, which delays the infrastructure greatly. And for a market such as Poland, which is assessed and, you know, I mean, this is not to boast, but in some general uh, analysis as a sixth economy of the EU, uh, you have 1,700 uh, public EV chargers, um, it w which is a very small number for a, a, a country that has a you know fleet of vehicles of 20 million uh, we we have 33,000 electric vehicles per for the whole uh, fleet so it's very small but again I mean and this is true for for the sea as a whole it's a very nascent market so it's a it's a market in an early phase of development so it has a lot of challenges I think the the trend of course um, is to is for the EV charging infrastructure to grow both public and private. And what's very important is, I think, for the public infrastructure to grow in a very sustained and balanced way, uh, because this is a trend and a problem. Actually, during the panel that Jan mentioned, it was also uh, it was also uh, indicated that public infrastructure is being focused on in urban areas. Often, when you go to a rural area, you have limited uh, access to uh, charging infrastructure, and this was said for a market that is the leading global market in terms of electromobility, so Norway. But for Poland, this is also discernible. Nearly 60% of the public charging infrastructure is in just over a little over 30 cities. 
The rest is left out. So you have those trends where some things are being slowed down and limited in the sea region and in some regions that don't have the same potential and capacity for various reasons as other regions. And so these delays need to be focused on. I mentioned Europe because Europe is, or the European Union is under one law, the EU law. And this is a very difficult challenge for this law, for this support, this administrative support to come in a balanced way because the challenges in some regions are completely different than others, but the law is still the same for all of them. And I mean, for businesses, this is a huge, um, I think a huge challenge as well to adapt these strategies to understand what the trend is in, in, in regions such as sea and what the what the trends are in Western Europe. And uh, I think one interesting trend maybe uh, for Poland also is that nearly one third of the public charging infrastructure is our DC chargers. This is a pretty interesting trend and it's rarely found actually uh, in, in uh, highly developed markets. Um, but uh, of course the private uh, I think private uh, charging infrastructure will will grow rapidly uh, for markets such as the sea markets for Poland especially uh, as I said we have uh, we don't have that many charges now for the public um, area but we think that we will have close to 300,000 um, or a hundred thousand sorry a hundred thousand private chargers in just five years so we will have a lot, a lot of infrastructure in the private domain, a little bit less in the public domain, but this will mostly be influenced by the growth of the number of EVs in the fleet. So, I mean, the challenges are so numerous that that was just a, a brief uh, outline. Thank you for outlining the most important ones. And um, just um, you, you mentioned uh, interesting data from Poland. Uh, and I would just like to ask Jan if we have similar data from the Czech Republic, uh, what the density is or how many charging stations we have. And maybe we should focus on the public ones because um, that's important for urban mobility in general for, for private fleets or private cars. And the statistic is being held actually by the ministry, <clears throat> even on the Czech market. Uh, I uh, personally don't know uh, the actual number, just uh, out of my head. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, ratio between the DC and AC charging, I uh, do believe that uh, the statistic is not so overwhelming like in Poland. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you can know can live experience being in the center of the city of Prague, it's, uh, you can barely find uh, uh, two charging slots. In uh, uh, one is uh, the DC charging uh, hub, and uh, the from the AC charging uh, in the area where I am living in the center, and where we have the office, is just uh, two poles with uh, two 11 kilowatt chargers. So that's the reality we are facing. Uh, could you maybe explain a little bit more what is the difference between AC and DC chargers? What DC charging is and and how it works? Why we should care? Uh, yeah, in in, in general, uh, AC charging is uh, coming uh, uh, from the normal electricity grid. So it's uh, the electricity you know uh, from typically from your from your home installation. Uh, it has the advantage because the most of these uh, uh, most of the SOs, so most of the distributor uh, operators who are uh, doing the transition of the energy are using the AC transition. In terms of uh, the car, uh, um, it has the it has the limits because once you are charging from the AC, uh, the car has to be equipped with the onboard charger. In uh, most of the cars, uh, it has the speed roughly 7.4 kilowatts. In some 
better cars, 11 kilowatts, and barely you can find the maximum what you can grid out of the AC, and it's 22 kilowatts. So DC charging, it's uh, different because it's using the direct current, so it's a different car, different kind of the current, and it's actually typically uh, uh, done in the static charging infrastructure from con conversion from the AC to DC. Uh, the advantage is that uh, the batteries in the car are using the DC current, so uh, it can absorb uh, higher speeds and mainly is uh, dependent on the speed of the DC charger uh, because there is no onboard charger needed uh, in terms of uh, the DC uh, part uh, of the car. Now, in simple for the listeners, uh, DC is fast or super fast charging, uh, AC is something what we call the slow charging. Uh, but to say it, let's say in all the context, uh, there are the uh, serious assumptions that roughly 70% of the charging now and even in the future will be from AC charging. Uh, that will be done from the charging that you will have at your home, uh, that most probably you can find in your office. These are the AC chargers. Uh, DC is typically uh, something what is uh, in the category of uh, destination charging. So it means the charging when you come and stay for some short period of time, like the shopping mall, cinema, fitness. And the super fast or ultra fast charging is something you can find typically uh, on the longer trips. So if you are traveling uh, uh, from the city to another one, so typically the highway charging should be uh, focused with uh, hyper fast or super fast charging infrastructure. In the speed, it's it's divided. I'm not talking now about the France. There is a there is a one uh, exemption uh, up to 22 kilowatt. It's typically the AC, uh, the DC charging start. Uh, uh, there are some char DC chargers of 20 kilowatts, but typically it's 40 kilowatt and up. Uh, what is then the super fast or a hyper fast charger? So in the latest trends, it's above 175 kilowatts of the uh, charging power. Alexander, am I right or can you? Add Absolutely, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and, and the characterization, everything is exactly as I would say it, I think. Uh, DC is, is uh, it's also for the, if we developed uh, electric uh, transport for heavy transportation and long haul heavy transportation, which is one of the greatest challenges of uh, you know zero emission transport as a whole, then DC chargers would also be uh, the the appropriate chargers for heavy transportation, as we're already saying for for some of the uh, the companies that are bringing these solutions in, like Volvo, Daimler, but also. Uh, there's a Swiss solution called Futuricum. They're also using DC chargers for their own developed batteries. So uh, really not much to add, but uh, usually uh, public uh, you know, infrastructure in cities and, and at home overnight charging focuses on the AC, just as Jan said, not much to be added. So let, let's have a look at the issue that you mentioned, and that's the density of the network. Um, and you say you expect, Alexander, that you expect uh, a lot more charging stations in the future, but mostly probably private or fleet ones. So what could be done to overcome the challenges and actually increase the density of the public charging stations? And then um, probably in your case in general or in, on country or regional level, and then Jana, maybe um, you would have a solution to that as well. 
Well, I mean, you know, first of all, there are different different levels of involvement in driving this market. Um, one thing is, of course, the business side, and uh, that's uh, you know the the innovative thought, the the production of the infrastructure, whether it's being imported or whether it's local. Very important for the e-mobility market to generate jobs as much as it can, because of course the as the automotive market will experience the change, jobs will be lost in the in the conventional uh, automotive sector. So uh, areas such as the infrastructure sector will uh, compensate for this. So this is one very important element for the development of infrastructure as a whole. Second thing, of course, is the administrative support. In terms of the European Union, we're talking, as I mentioned, uh, from the side of the commission. So we have uh, the new amended AFID, which is now becoming AFIR in the uh, legislation procedure, a very important step, uh, which ties in the targets for infrastructure development to the development of the fleet. So for every BV, there's one uh, kilowatt hour of power in the system for every PHEV 0.66 kilowatt hours, right? So you're now, uh, of course, I think most of the e-mobility community would love to see these targets much higher. Uh, but uh, of course, you know the the European Commission had to propose and bring forth a balanced proposal. So uh, we'll work on on these on these issues later on. But that's one thing, which is uh, a legislation that uh, ties in the development of the market together. So the EV market develops with equal speed to the infrastructure. Now, in terms of that's in terms of public infrastructure, of course. The other thing is appropriate 10T regulations. So developing that public charging charging infrastructure on long distance roads, on main nodes. So on the main points, of the system of the infrastructure in the entire European Union and in uh, I think systems, road systems that reflect this system. So in Asia and North America and so on. Uh, the third area is the local national. Uh, public administration, which has to support uh, also in, you know, in the form of incentives and subsidies, uh, this, um, this whole system to grow. And the public infrastructure, of course, needs very good local regulation. So very smart DSO regulation, grid connection regulation, uh, a facilitated process and shortened administrative process. For the public uh, charging infrastructure, First of all, building awareness, which is a general issue with e-mobility, for people to know what products are accessible. For example, the uh, the various uh, spans of power capacity for AC-DC chargers. Most people don't have any idea what the difference is between current direct current and what uh, charger is adequate for them at home, uh, because Obviously, the 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 very kind of flashy solution of having a very fast charger at home sings okay, but actually it's better for the vehicle if you charge slowly overnight. So these are the things we need to make people aware of. Our organization, PSPA in Poland, we're very involved in in, in this process, and there are a number of other uh, entities, organizations that do this as well. But this is one challenge. But then the second challenge is, uh, of course, um, just the 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 awareness of the potential uh, lying within. So uh, acquiring your own uh, charger is not the only solution. Planning your journey and really investing into this public infrastructure from the state's side uh, is a very important part of the strategy. So I think all those different areas 
uh, need to be considered. And then after that, there are various other areas which are not even part of, I think, the general discussion, but things that are lacking in the EU legislation, for example, roam like at home. So, you know, price roaming and, and making it more sensible uh, and various other uh, solutions that are, are, are very important and needed for the market to thrive and not yet present. Thank you. And uh, now I give the floor to Jan. Um, is there anything you would like to add or any of the um, solutions to the density of the network that uh, Nimble Energy has? Well, that's actually uh, to continue where actually Alexander stopped recently. So the re the regulation is uh, definitely something that uh, we need. Uh, uh, we need to have a push from the authorities. But uh, as has been outlined, and that's where the innovation is actually uh, coming to the to the market, is there are and there are arising a new business models and new solutions that uh, can help actually with uh, the EV adoption. Uh, ourselves, we are innovating as well. We have uh, recently introduced to the market and we are piloting live in Prague the solution for the mobile charging solution. So imagine yourself uh, living in the dense city area where it is the most problematic solution actually for uh, for the grid and uh, for the infrastructure as such. That uh, we are trying to change a bit the paradigm of uh, how the user experience is now uh, being uh, made uh, for the user. So imagine once that once the same way you are able to order your dinner uh, through the application like Uber Eats or Walt, uh, imagine yourself sitting in the comfort of your office and ordering the same direction uh, or the same way uh, the charging and then you come back to your car and it's being charged. So I do believe in uh, innovation. I do believe that the, the things uh, uh, have to go, uh, let's say, rationally, hands in hands with uh, um, a reasonable amount of the push, reasonable amount of uh, restrictions, uh, ambitious goals uh, for make ourselves responsible, and the rest will really, um, it will come with the market. Uh, I do believe in the science, I do believe in uh, the new business models and new innovations, and that is something that is the perfect place to be, uh, the electromobility as such. Uh, you can find it everywhere, uh, around the clock, around the globe. You can see how many new uh, brands of the OEMs uh, are arising, how many of them are being heavily financed on the market. That's something that is a real revolution on, on, on the market, and that's something what uh, I have been missing for a long time. So I'm super excited to be in the field. Thanks for sharing the thoughts on the current situation and the imminent solutions that, that are there or uh, that the progressive innovators such as Nimble Energy offer to their clients now. Um, where would you see electric charging in the future? Let's let's uh, go for some visions. Uh, how, how, how do you think this will look like in, in let's say, five years or 10 years or maybe um, uh, even in, in, in longer term? Alexander? My or? vision... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Alexander, Jan, go please ahead. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so actually yeah. my vision and uh, what we are working for is uh, that really in uh, the dense city areas, 
uh, you will just forget about the charging. Uh, you will just enjoy uh, the joy of riding the EV. Uh, we already are capable of uh, reading the data uh, from the car. Uh, so it means that we uh, can predict when you will need the next recharge, uh, how many kilowatt hours you typically need for your daily routines. And once this one is happening really in the area of, uh, of some city, we will take care of the charging uh, and uh, then you will experience the charging experience only on the super fast or hyperchargers traveling on the longer distance. So if you ask me, I foresee uh, the future in really uh, uh, enjoyable form of, uh, of the EV. Then we have the generation shift. Uh, uh, that is massive, actually. I uh, I like to spend the time with my son and uh, discussing with him how he see himself owning a car and if he likes the internal combustion engines or the EVs. And uh, surprise, surprise, he <laughs> he's not either on one or on second side. He just mentioned, Daddy, why shall I own the car for the future? So I mean that the car sharing uh, is something and the different models of owning the cars and that is very closely connected by the way with the charging because uh, charging the fleet car or charging the car sharing car is a completely different task and completely different approach uh, so this is the second part of my vision so more car will be shared uh, less car on the streets and once uh, there will be once in the street uh, there should be occupied uh, uh, as much as possible in terms of uh, uh, in terms of charging it should uh, remain uh, almost without uh, needed service yeah I, I that's that's a vision that i think i'm aligned with i would add you know i mean uh, Charging infrastructure and how it develops will also be uh, in some way connected to V2X technology. So vehicles will be more responsible not only to the grid, but to other interconnections in terms of technology, you know, Internet, Internet of Things and so on. So that's a very important element. Uh, shared uh, mobility and mobility as a service solutions will also have a great, I think, impact on developing infrastructure. And those are the mega trends that I think are part of the whole mobility revolution and of course in the end i think a lot will change when um, you know once we get into autonomous uh, mobility which is the inevitable future i think also here uh things will change technology will change connections will change in terms of infrastructure growth um i think it's obvious the trends will go towards private charging infrastructure because people will want their own charger but as vehicles become more shared as vehicles are less present in cities with micromobility developing and other solutions, uh, then of course charging infrastructure will again shift. Now, um, for you know, for for again the the market that we're observing, so the CE market, Polish market, and then various other markets, um, this has a lot to do with the development of cities clean transport zones, zero emission zones. If you take into account that Western Northern Europe together have 54 zero emission zones and a country like Poland has none. I mean, this is a, you know, these changes will ensue and both the EV car park as well as the charging infrastructure, public and private, this will all be impacted by those changes that will come. So the, the numbers will grow, but various other phenomenons will take place as well. Thank you for and that. And yeah, it is yeah. not so far away as it uh, as it could looks like. 
we know already about uh, a couple of the services that are being introduced soon, even in the European market. Uh, I am the big fan of the robotaxi stories that is uh, evolving heavily uh, across the globe. Uh, and I love to compare actually on the robotaxis uh, the way of the innovation uh, or the level of the innovation. Uh, compare how the old automotive industry is now looking on the autonomous driving. What we are trying to do is the line changing assistance, uh, uh, level autonomous two, maybe two and a half, and the three, and changing the lines, taking the exits on the highways. And then take the companies like uh, Google or Amazon, uh, both investing into the robotaxi field. Uh, uh, by the way, only two companies having been backed by, uh, financed by these two giants are worth 30 billion US dollars already. And they are going directly for the full autonomous level. And uh, it's not a future. They have, uh, the one has already permission since 2019, then one has received the permission recently. And uh, guess what? The security is uh, uh, the minor issue. Uh, they have the average accident once per 210,000 kilometers. That is definitely less than the normal taxi driver has. So it's it's really close. It's uh, it's really close by. It's um, so much looking forward. That will be, that will be the great change. I forgot it. So thank you, Alexander, for adding this up on top. Thank you both. Um, and now let's go back to the charging topic of this podcast. Uh, wouldn't it be also necessary to make the grids and maybe also the charging systems smarter? Because we hear a lot about smart charging and you know it's, it's maybe a, a, a kind of trendy word that is used a lot. Uh, but do you see um, any ways that in... in uh, short or distant future, um, this could be a way to actually improve the situation in charging? Because uh, if we really switch to uh, electric vehicles uh, quickly, or at least faster uh, than the switch has been going until now, um, that's gonna, that, that could be an issue, the, the, the in, uh, kind of charging infrastructure and grid infrastructure that we have now. So is there a smart way to, to move forward? Or is there something like smart charging that we could aim at well smart charging is the way to to go forward with definitely i mean because smart charging in i think the briefest and most general sense means uh, a balanced way to charge so uh vehicles and this is tying in with the v2x uh topic as well the vehicle becomes part of the grid so it can either give off energy or take energy and what's important is when you have a number of vehicles at one station they can uh, charge at a sustainable uh, rate this is very important for for countries and again here are the regional differences because smart charging and the approach to the grid in general um, encompasses the very important issue of grid stability and grid elasticity uh, for Poland, for example, where you have 80% of the energy production still generated from coal sources, the first challenge is resolving this. So going into renewables and changing that whole pattern. And this is happening, of course, with PV installations, with wind farms. But the problem with renewables, with a system that is reliant on an inflexible uh, energy source like coal, is that you can't bring too much of this energy into the system because coal uh, power plants cannot be limited. They cannot be uh, controlled like a volume. And, and you know, when listening to music, you cannot tone them down. They function at full capacity 
or they don't function. So that's a big problem because adding new renewable sources requires a very smart management of the energy sources reliant on coal. Now that's the first challenge. The second challenge for Poland definitely and for the sea region alike because this is this is pretty much the same for, for the entire region is uh, to um, manage that system against all the new uh, utilities and appliances being introduced into the market. Now, electromobility is of course one of them and uh, introducing smart charging as a way and a uh, universal way of charging vehicles will allow this kind of balanced usage of the grid to be possible. So it's an absolute goal that we have to reach and something that has to be developed. And there are, of course, operators in Poland who are already and not only in Poland, but in, in this market who are already introducing this. The only trouble is uh, smart charging uh, well functions best when there is a lot of public charging infrastructure, which we come to point number one uh, is still at a very small level in our regions. But in uh, markets where it's uh, abundant, you can see that it is a, a very desirable solution. Jan, what is your take on uh, smart charging and uh, is, is Nimble implementing or planning to implement any of its principles? We as a Nimble Energy are actually coming from uh, the side of uh, the battery storage. Uh, that actually is one of the crucial parts, I would think, uh, to, uh, to, the, uh, to the smart grid. So again, uh, all has been true that has been said uh, by Alexander. I would add uh, maybe another uh, different view. Uh, and it's coming back to my first point of the user experience where uh, we can believe uh, how to implement the, the smart charging. Me coming from the energy segment, uh, uh, and I know a bit about uh, about it. Uh, there, are, there are the challenges definitely with uh, uh, the coal production and with uh, how how it's going to be generated, but with all of the renewables, that is definitely the trend. That is definitely something that is the cheapest solution for now to produce uh, energy. Uh, we can, in from the perspective of the user experience, enforce only by uh, two things. The first one will motivate the user by some incentives. So it means that the user will have the chance if they will be charging under some given pattern uh, to give some financial advantage in terms of what we can achieve in terms of uh, the smart energy. But in uh, other point of view, uh, there could be the more systematic solution where we will be doing a kind of a buffer. Uh, so we will be uh, looking at the energy grid, how it looks like and look where are the peaks, how to like actually do the peak shaving so how to minimize these peaks that are coming in the evening where the cars are coming how to stabilize the grid so what to do if there is a lot of the electricity but typically it's during the day because of the sun generation and the, typically the car is not too much still yeah. as in the night so in in that respect uh, uh, again i can come back to to the solution where we have with the mobile charging at the one time we are focusing on the user experience when we are not telling the user where to charge or how to charge but having the large installation of the mobile chargers that are actually the the mid-size batteries uh, and if you take into account that it will be in the large quantities it can do a 
perfect service as well for the grid. So we can be a perfect partner for the grid uh, providers, for the DSOs, helping them with uh, peak shaving, uh, peak shifting, and all of these trends that are coming with the renewables, and at the same time um, bringing the comfort uh, to the end users. So both has to be mixed. Uh, both I can uh, foresee that will be that will that will come uh, that will come to the market. Alexandra, have you seen any other uh, smart solutions that would already be on the market or used in, in Poland or in other countries? Uh, from what I've read and seen, uh, you don't, you don't, uh, you know, what Nimble offers and what I've what I've already heard is is pretty much state of the art. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there are various solutions that are being offered and worked on. Uh, this is a very so. so the, I think the very interesting uh, phenomenon about this whole topic is that. We have technologies that are breaking through that are very fresh and at the same time they are already not dominating the market. A very small time uh, frame. So before you used to have a solution and then five to ten years before it became implemented. Now these things are happening as we speak. And uh, you have markets such as Israel, such as China with innovation and, and startups just bringing in new technology and new innovations very, very fast. And some markets like Israel, which I, I named before, already are testing autonomous technologies at an incomparable high level compared to us, to Europe and, and to, to our region, whereas we're still speaking about low infrastructure levels. So, so uh, the solutions that are coming in, I think they will, they will rule uh, the system, uh, the energy system and the grid system. I think smart charging is the only way to, to balance it. And of course, yeah, for user experience, I think it's a priority because uh, people need to believe in this and they need to join this process. And they are, it's happening. So uh, I think these solutions are optimal. Thank you for that. Um, as we're heading towards the end of the podcast, I, I have a question uh, regarding the situation that we have now on the energy markets. We have witnessed um, huge uh, rises in energy prices in recent days and weeks. Uh, do you think this could affect uh, the electric charging industry? Uh, what could we do to overcome this, not to perhaps scare the users off by the current um, uh, rise in prices that nobody knows uh, whether and when um, it would end or come back to more normal levels. Uh, Jan, maybe? If, um That's actually not only the price of electricity uh, that is uh, that is rising. The, uh, it's uh, the overall the, the price of the energy. Uh, but uh, what I would uh, what I would like to add I see the opportunity in all of these happening. I, I actually see the opportunity for the governments to even further uh, incentivize the people to do the things on the local level, in the local communities, uh, work on the renewables, put as much solar on the roofs as possible, try to be as much limited as possible on, on, on the large-scale installations. Altogether, can bring really even the self-sustainable solutions for many of the people who are living in the homes uh, and helping uh, bring uh, the price of commuting on price of the kilometers down. Because once uh, you can really close the close the circle, that you will be able to use uh, your vehicle as uh, as the battery uh, for your own installations, even with uh, the vehicle to grid. Uh, uh, 
And actually, one clever guy uh, said it, and I think that it was Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he mentioned it once already that uh, the batteries by accident, just the car on the wheels. Uh, the, sorry, the car is just the battery on the wheels. So that's something that is just complementing uh, all these visions. I think that uh, uh, there has been a lot said said about uh, about him, but uh, uh, not all not all of his fans really can foresee how. He is brilliant in uh, taking his visions uh, to close the loop, to close the circle. That's with the solar solar roof installations and solar roof panels. That's with the batteries. That's with all the plans that is actually coming all together and bringing the real disruptions in the energy market. So let's find something that is uh, that is good on it. And I think that uh, there will be a push and will uh, of uh, uh, the individuals on the people on the end of the grid uh, to do something with the electricity and do not take it as something cheap and something that was uh, like normal, ordinary. Um, I see the opportunity. I am the optimistic. <laughs> Alexander, yeah. Do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, V2X, V2G is definitely the response to the, the, the energy question uh, in the equation because uh, it's, as Jan said, I mean, the battery on wheels. And so, uh, already some vehicles that are brought into the market, uh, which of course we're not going to promote OEMs here, but some of them are really leading the market with vehicles that you can already, you know, vacuum the vehicle by plugging into the actual socket within the vehicle. So the vehicle, you know, it's it's a closed cycle of energy, be it with the building that it's in, with the grid that it connects to, or with the utensils and appliances that are connected to the vehicle. Energy prices, of course, will be um, a, a an issue, but all the same, I think for most of the conventional vehicle users, the ICE vehicle users, uh, the prices for their vehicles will be lower in terms of exploitation because electric energy will always be lower than fossil fuels. And uh, also, you know, in an, in an electric vehicle, you have four times less parts that can't get broken, that can malfunction, uh, for 25% uh, of what you have in a conventional vehicle. So if if people have problems and and you know uh, notes regarding the price uh, and the and the the cost of of ownership for for electric vehicles, then they will easily be resolved. And that also regards energy, I think. Uh, the question of the energy systems, it's so particular to every market that I think it will also be resolved in a way and we're getting more interconnected. And so I think these these issues will get resolved as well. So I think uh, the rapid growth of zero emission transport is is not only inevitable, but it's something we should all really, really drive towards and desire. Uh, there are issues that need to be resolved along the way, and this is especially true for our markets. One of them, the used conventional vehicles, uh, you know, as Germany, France, Denmark, Netherlands, Belgium, Norway uh, become more and more abundant with EVs, these old, you know, conventional ICE vehicles usually come to our markets. And this is a big problem because they're usually very cheap. So resolving that issue is something we have to address. Poland for the past 20 years has imported 16 million very old vehicles. That is a huge challenge that we have to address. So, but we have to push forward with this. And I think the uh, discussions regarding, you know, energy prices will not uh, delay this uh, process. It is very dynamic, and I think in 10 years, it'll be a completely different uh, landscape in the EU and in the world alike. 
Thank you for that. Um, would you have any further comments for our listeners on where the uh, electric charging uh, is heading to? Or um, would you have any final remarks to motivate everyone to uh, turn to more, uh, or I mean less, <laughs> to the modes of transport that um, produce less emissions? I think infrastructure, I mean, charging solutions are heading to uh, their doorstep. Uh, our listeners will see that very soon. And I think if you like, uh, you know, fast acceleration, uh, silent ride, and no bad smells associated with all that, then definitely you should pursue electromobility. Uh, for most of the markets and the subsidies and incentives available, it's becoming a very accessible technology. And uh, with solutions like uh, companies uh, represented uh, by Jan, for example, and various other innovators on the market, I think charging solutions will become also very accessible and very attractive for the user. I was perfectly said. It's uh, nothing actually to add. It's, uh, it's very, very nice. So it's, an, it's a nice cherry on the top. Thank you very Thank much you. for that. Uh, we've, uh, we've been speaking to... Uh, to two um, experts in electric vehicles, electric vehicles charging, uh, to Jan Schamal, the CEO of Nimble Energy, and Alexander Reich, the Director of External Affairs at Polish Association of Alternative Fuels. Jan and Alexander, I would like to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, uh, for sharing all the inspiring thoughts and insights. Um, thanks to you. I think we learned a lot about the current trends and challenges of electric charging. Uh, we explored the idea of DC charging, of smart charging. Uh, we looked into the future, to the visions of how electric charging could look in the future. Uh, we tried to predict what's going to happen in uh, mid or long-term uh, period and what we can expect in the sector. Uh, the topic of electric charging is surely an interesting one and a broad one. And I'm sure our listeners now have a good starting point for a further exploration of the topic. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget to join us in the next episode in which we will talk about last mile delivery, uh, about logistics, and once again, uh, with participation of first class experts in the sector, just like today. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me.